Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. God chose Abram. God called Abram. God spoke to Abram. He told him to go, to leave his country, to leave his family, to leave his home, to go to a new land, a land that God would show him. And if he did, God promised to bless him. God promised to make a great nation out of him. God promised to make his name great. And if he did, God promised to bless all of the families of the earth through him. And Abram went in faith. He followed the Lord in faith. He walked in faith, step by step in faith. And now he was in Canaan, the land of Canaan. He was at Hebron, a a town south of Jerusalem, dwelling by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite. Now, while there, Abram received news. He received jarring news news, alarming news. Lot, his kinsman, Lot, his nephew, along with his family and possessions, had been taken captive. Not long ago, Lot had dwelled with his uncle. He had dwelt with Abram, but there had arisen a disagreement, a dispute between the two over the land. God had blessed them both, so richly blessed them both with livestock, oxen and sheep and donkey, that there just wasn't enough room for their flocks to get grazed together. Although he could have had first choice of the land, Abram humbled himself. He served his nephew. He allowed Lot to choose first. He allowed Lot to have the first option of land. If, If Lot went to the right, Abram would go to the left. If Lot went left, Abram would go to the right. Lot's eye caught the Jordan Valley. It looked like Egypt. It looked like Eden. It looked like paradise. And so he moved there. He moved to the valley. He settled next to the city of Sodom while Abram remained in Canaan. Now, the king of Sodom, King Bera, was allied to four other cities, four other kings there in the Jordan Valley. And for 12 years, these five kings, these five cities, were subject to a greater power. They were vassals to a coalition of four kings, four kings in the east, four kings in Mesopotamia. Now, after 12 years of this arrangement, King Bera of Sodom and the other four kings from the Jordan Valley decided to rise up. They decided to rebel. They decided to go against their overlords, and they weren't alone. Other nations, other cities to the north along the mountain range into Syria did the same thing. The four eastern kings were not pleased. Led by Kedor Laomer, king of Elam, these eastern kings led their army from the east to put down these rebellions, to assert their authority, and to conquer these rebels. And conquer they did. 
Nothing could stand before them. Nothing could prevail against their might. City after city fell before these kings, including the five kings of the Jordan Valley. These five kings of the Jordan Valley were routed in battle. And the four conquering kings from the east and their armies looted the fallen cities. They looted the city of Sodom, and among the spoils of war was Lot. Lot and his family. Lot and his possessions. Lot was a victim of war. Captive of war. When Abram heard the news, he sprung into action. Loving your neighbor is active. Abram called his servants, 318 servants, servants who were trained for battle. He called his allies, Mamre the Amorite and Mamre's brothers, Eshcol and Aner. And they set forth in pursuit of these four kings. They set forth in pursuit in order to rescue Lot. So Abram the nomad, Abram the shepherd is now Abram the commander. He is Abram the man of war. He leads this army pursuing for over 150 miles. They go north. They go to the city of Dan. They go to the city of Damascus. And when they finally caught up to this army, Abram executed a brilliant strategy. He devises forces, and they attack this greater army in the cover of darkness, surprising them and routing them, conquering the conquerors. So Abram and his small force did what no other king could do. Abram and his small force did what no other army could do, defeat these four kings from the east. Abram was victorious. Abram was a champion. Abram was a hero. He had rescued his nephew. And once the battle was won, he began the journey south bringing the now freed captives, bringing all that the kings had taken, all the spoils of war. And as the conqueror, all were rightly his. When Abram returned, the king of Sodom came out to meet him. He traveled to the valley of the king to welcome Abram, to acknowledge his victory. And as they celebrate, they're joined by another ruler. They're joined by another king, Melchizedek. Melchizedek means righteous king or my just king. He is king of Salem, probably Jerusalem. Salem is, is shalom. He is the king of shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace. So Melchizedek is the righteous king of peace. But we're told that this righteous king, this king of peace, is also a priest. Priest of God Most High. This is the first mention in the Bible of a priest. A priest is a mediator. A priest is a, a go-between. A priest is an interceder. A priest is one who represents Men before God through prayer and sacrifice. And a priest is one who represents God before men through word. As king, Melchizedek brings bread and wine. 
He brings provisions for Abram. He brings rations for a weary army returning from battle. He brings food to celebrate their victory over their foes. And as priest, Melchizedek brings blessing. He blesses Abram. Listen to verse 19 again. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Melchizedek's blessing acknowledges that Abram is blessed because of God. Abram won the victory because of God. Therefore, God is blessed. God is acknowledged. God is glorified. And he's glorified as the reason for the celebration. And Abram, the conquering warrior, Abram, the hero, then offers a tithe to Melchizedek. He offers 10% of what he's been blessed with, 10% of the spoils, 10% to this king priest. A gift from a lesser to a greater Now, Melchizedek is unique. He is truly unique. There's no other like him in the scriptures. There is no other that combines the office of priest and king. He appears seemingly out of nowhere. We're told nothing about him. We're told nothing of his history, nothing about his family, nothing about his rule, nothing about his calling from the Lord. He makes this brief appearance. He feeds, he blesses, and then he disappears. But our New Testament reading from the book of Hebrews refers to him. Melchizedek is a type, a type of Jesus, meaning that Melchizedek the king, Melchizedek the the priest, pointed to Jesus. He prefigured Jesus. He offers a glimpse of Jesus. Just like Melchizedek, Jesus is one who is greater than Abram. Just like Melchizedek, he is one who combines the office of of king and priest. Jesus is king of righteousness. He's our righteous king because he was sinless. Jesus did not break God's law, not once, either in thought or word, or deed. Jesus lived in love perfectly. Therefore, he was righteous before God. And he was righteous before God for you. Because you're not. Your your sin, your, your failure to keep God's law, your failure to love, makes you unrighteous before God. That's your status. And those who are unrighteous before God cannot enter into his presence. Those who are unrighteous before God can't go before him, can't serve him, can't glorify him. But the king is made away because he's also priest. This righteous king is also eternal priest. He is a mediator between you and God. And this priest offers the perfect sacrifice for you and for your sin. He offers himself because he is righteous. 
He is perfect. He is unblemished. And he offers himself for you on the cross. And he gives you his righteousness. All you have to do is receive it. Grasp it by faith. And through faith in Jesus, this is your status before God, righteous. Your status before God is no longer a sinner, but righteous. Why? Because you are then clothed in the garments of the king, because you are clothed in the garments of the priest. And now as righteous, clothed in his garments, you can enter into the presence of God. As righteous, you can go before him, you can serve him, you can glorify him, you can enter into the holy of holies. And he gives you peace. He is the king of shalom, which means well-being, wholeness, completeness. He gives you peace with God, peace with your neighbor. He brings you bread and wine, signs of his body and blood as provision, as nourishment, as celebration. He brings you blessing, righteousness, and peace. For God has given you the victory through his son, king and priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, when, when Abram returns victorious, Melchizedek offers bread and wine. Melchizedek blesses. Melchizedek gives God the glory. But the king of Sodom responds differently. He doesn't give. He doesn't bless. He doesn't give God the glory. Indeed, his first word is to give. It's a command. Listen to verse 21 again. Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. King of Sodom says, give me the persons, you keep the stuff. Now, Barak, king of Sodom, is trying to get some of what he had lost in the battle. His offer is fair, but his words betray a greedy heart because a defeated king does not have the right to demand the spoils of war. A defeated king cannot dictate how the spoils of war are divided. That belongs to the victor and to the victor alone. But his words also betray a a desire to gain advantage over Abram. If Abram agrees to this, Barak could say that he allowed Abram to keep the spoils. In other words, he could say Abram gained in wealth because the king of Sodom allowed it. Abram is rich. Abram is great because of the king of Sodom. But Abram sees through this. And he also recognizes it as a temptation, a temptation to be rich, a temptation to gain more possessions, a temptation to be great, to be praised for returning the people. But he has already vowed to take nothing, to take none of the spoils of war. His goal was to rescue his nephew, and all he asks is for food for his men and a share for his allies. Why? Because God's already blessed him. Abram was already a rich man. God already promised to make his name great. He didn't, he didn't need the king of Sodom for that. Like Abram, when you walk in faith, when you follow Jesus Christ, you will face battles. 
You'll face battles without. You'll face battles within. Within your heart. You, you know this. You'll face battles against fear, battles against despair, battles against anger and lust and greed and pride, battles against sin, battles against evil. And you'll face temptations. The king of Sodom, the, the, the evil one, stands ready to command you to give. Give. He stands ready to tempt you, to tempt you for gain, to tempt you for glory, to tempt you for pleasure, to trust in his promises. To trust in yourself. Rather than God. Don't. You, you, you may even have to pursue those you know, those you love, who've been carried off by the ruler of the world. But you've been given weapons for battle. The Lord gives you his word and prayer. Those are your weapons, word and prayer, the scriptures and prayer. And even so equipped, you battle enemies that are so mighty, foes that are so powerful, but you serve a king who is greater. You follow a king who is greater, a righteous king, a king of peace, a, a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and he gives the victory. And after the battle, he offers you a blessing. He offers you bread and wine provision for your weary soul, a celebration for victory. Eat and drink. Be fed by your priestly king. Be nourished, be fortified so that as you go forth, as you go forth to serve, you go in strength. And you go not in your own strength, but you go in the strength of your righteous king, ready for battle and prepared for temptation. And when you lose the battle, because sometimes you will, when you give into temptation, because sometimes you will, turn to your king, turn to your priest, Turn in repentance, turn confessing your sin, turn, turn claiming his righteousness. Turn and receive bread and wine and be nourished and fortified so that as you go forth, you go in strength. Not in your own strength, but the strength of your righteous king, king of, king of peace priest of the Most High God. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 